morning, everybody, and welcome to the February 13th meeting of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority Board. I'm Rafael Mandelman. I serve as vice chair of this board. Our vice chair is Mirna Melgar. I want to thank Kalina Mendoza from SFGovTV, and our clerk today is Yvette Lopez-Jessup. Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes. Good morning. Uh, Commissioner Chan. Present. Present. Commissioner Chan, present. Commissioner Dorsey. Present. Commissioner Dorsey, present. Commissioner Engardio? Present. Commissioner Engardio, present. Chair Mandelman? Present. Chair Mandelman, present. Vice Chair Melgar? Present. Vice Chair Melgar, present. Commissioner Peskin? Present. Commissioner Peskin, present. Commissioner Preston? Commissioner Preston, present. Commissioner Ronan? Present. Commissioner Ronan, present. Commissioner Safai? Commissioner Safai is absent. Commissioner Stephanie? Commissioner Stephanie is absent. Commissioner Walton? Madam Clerk, will you use the mic, please? I'm sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Okay, Commissioner Walton is present. We have quorum. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk, and I would note that um, uh, Commissioner Safai reached out to me. He's going to be delayed, uh, will be here, but is asked to be excused um, on votes until he arrives, and I'm going to grant that unless someone objects. Could you please read um, our public comment announcement? Yes. For members of the public interested in participating in this board meeting, we welcome your attendance here in person in the Legislative Chamber, Room 250 in City Hall, or you may watch Cable Channel 26 or 99, depending on your provider, or stream the meeting live at www.sfgovtv.org. For those wishing to make public comment remotely, the best way to do so is by dialing 415-655-0001, and when prompted, enter You're unmuted. And when prompted, entering access code 2664-924-2949, and then press pound and pound again. You will be able to listen to the meeting in real time. When public comment is called for the item you wish to speak on, press star three to be added to the queue to speak. Do not press star three again, or you will be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise you that you will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Public comment for items on this agenda will be taken first from members of the public in attendance in the legislative chamber, and then afterwards from the remote speaker's queue or the telephone line. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And before calling our next item as chair, I'd like to invoke Rule 3.26 from our Rules of Order to limit total public comment per item to 30 minutes for today's meeting. Um, each speaker will have two minutes to speak on a given item unless I indicate otherwise at the start of that item. Ms. Um, Madam Clerk, would you please call the next item? Um, item two is approve the minutes of the January 23rd, 2024 meeting. This is an action item. All right, let's take public comment on this. If there's anybody in the chamber who'd like to speak on item two, please come forward. And I don't see anybody, so let's see if we have any remote public comment on item two. Checking for remote public comment on item two. And there is no public comment. All right, uh, public comment on item two is closed. Is there a motion to approve item two? 
Moved by Dorsey, seconded by Peskin. Um, Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll? On the motion to approve item two, Commissioner Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Aye. Engardio, aye. Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai is absent. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Commissioner Walton, aye. There are 10 ayes. The motion is approved. All right. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call our next item. Item three, com Community Advisory Committee report. This is an information item. Uh, and I would like to invite our new CAC Chair, Kat Siegel, uh, to give the CAC report. Kat was elected at the January 24th uh, 2024 CAC meeting after serving as vice chair since January of 2023. Chair Siegel. Hi, good morning, commissioners. Uh, the CAC had another long agenda at our January meeting, so I'll just highlight the items that received the most discussion and interest from members. Firstly, on the latest batch of four Prop L5 YPPs, we had three uh, CAC members abstaining from the vote to approve the item after concerns were raised about the Uni Rail Cork Capacity Plan, potentially removing J Church service from the subway, as well as some open questions about the Muni Transit Shelter Replacement Program, with one member citing shelters that were removed as part of the Geary Improvement Project that have yet to be replaced. Uh, the item two released Prop L funds for the Speed Safety Camera Education and Communications Program received questions from several members regarding the privacy and surveillance policy, uh, but was ultimately approved unanimously after those questions were addressed by MTA staff. Uh, all other action items on our agenda were also approved unanimously, including the funding allocation for paratransit and the 2024 state and federal legislative program. The, uh, the CAC also received a presentation about the SMTA's bicycle safety education classes in response to an earlier request from members. Several CAC members expressed disappointment that the African American and Latino attendees made up such a small percentage of participants and requested that more direct outreach be done to engage with those communities, perhaps in partnership with community-based organizations. Finally, we received a presentation on the northbound I-280 transit and carpool lane study that spurred a lot of discussion and feedback with many members expressing concern about the potential addition of a freeway lane and skepticism that this would lead to transit mode shift, especially given that no bus lines currently operate on the study corridor. Uh, members also noted the recent child pedestrian fatality at 4th and King and were concerned about increasing car traffic speeds in that area. Several members suggested that this study could be repurposed as a transit speed or capacity study in the same study area. Uh, thank you, and I'm happy to answer any questions. I do not see any questions from colleagues, so let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to talk to us about item three, come on forward. And if not, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item three. Checking for remote public comment on item three. And there is no public comment. 
All right, uh, public comment on item three is closed. And um, thank you, Chair Siegel. And Madam Clerk, please call item four. Item four, appoint. Hello, okay, there we go. Um, item four, appoint Kat Siegel and Venicia Margarita as the District 5 and District 9 representatives, respectively to the Community Advisory Committee. This is an action item. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk, and I believe uh, that we have Amelia Wally to present. Yes. <laughs> Hi, uh, good morning commissioners. My name is Amelia Wally. I'm program analyst at the TA. The Transportation Authority has an 11 member community advisory committee with each member serving a two year term. The board appoints individuals to fill any open seats with each of the 11 commissioners nominating one member to the committee and neither staff nor the CAC make recommendations on appointments. Applicants must be San Francisco residents and they must appear before the board at least once to describe their interests and qualifications. Today, there are two vacancies on the CAC due to term expirations for the District 5 and District 9 representatives. For the District 5 seat, we understand Commissioner Preston is nominating Kat Siegel to serve another term on the CAC. She's here remotely today to speak to her interest and qualifications, um, as we just saw her in the last item. Uh, for District 9, Commissioner Ronan has indicated that she'll be nominating Venicia Margarita to the CAC. Venicia cannot join today, um, but will join at the February 27th meeting to speak to her interests and qualifications. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions. Um, otherwise, we have Kat available remotely. Uh, let's hear from Kat Siegel. Hello again, commissioners. Uh, thank you so much for considering me for a second term as the District 5 representative for the CAC. Uh, during my two years on the CAC, I've continued to be involved in transportation-related advocacy, working on initiatives in D5, such as infrastructure improvements to Page Slow Street and traffic, traffic calming efforts in the Tenderloin, as well as city and statewide initiatives, including the campaigns to press, pass Prop L and to restore capital and operations funding for public transit to the 2023-2024 state budget. My objective as a member of the CAC will continue to be to ensure that our limited transportation dollars and planning resources are distributed equitably and with particular attention to communities that have historically been poorly served by our transit agencies and that pro projects funded or planned by the Transportation Authority center the city's most vulnerable road users, including children, seniors, and people with limited mobility, as well as folks who contribute to our city's stated climate goals and transit first values by walking, bicycling, or taking public transit for their transportation. It's also a top priority for me in 2024 to address how far we remain from achieving Vision Zero and to hold ourselves accountable for preventing further injury and death on our streets. Uh, thank you so much for your consideration. Thank you. And looks like we have um, some folks who, who have comments. Uh, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, uh, Chair Mandelman um, and uh, colleagues. I am uh, very excited to, uh, to uh, recommend the reappointment of uh, Kat Siegel to another term on the CAC. Um, and uh, I just really want to emphasize, I think we are very fortunate to have someone with her uh, expertise and uh, commitment uh, to transportation continuing to serve in this role and now being elevated to, to the chair of the CAC. Um, over the last, she was appointed in February 2022, uh, over the last two years, uh, my office has had the pleasure of working with Kat um, on car-free JFK, on slow streets, 
uh, transit service restoration and funding um, and many of our uh, safe streets and vision zero projects in district five and beyond. Um, she spoke a little about her experience, but she you know, really is involved in such a deep way in transportation um, in, in our city, continues to be an active member and volunteer with the San Francisco Transit Riders, conducts um, rider outreach at Sunday Streets, um, organizes uh, Transit Week events and uh, participates um, in our in actions like the uh, big coalition rally and others calling for transit funding from the state and organizing to ensure uh, that bus lines uh, return during the pandemic and that we continue to restore service. She's the co-creator of streetcar.live, which provides real-time locations and vehicle history for uh, the city's um, historic streetcar fleet. She is an editor at Muni Diaries. She repairs bikes and builds uh, bicycle wheels at Scenic Roots Community Bicycle Center. She is a daily Muni rider. She is a daily user of our slow streets in District 5 and of Car Free JFK, both as a pedestrian and as a cyclist, the only mystery to me is when she finds time to sleep. Um, Kat, she is, uh, Kat is deeply invested um, in uh, Muni service restoration and equitable transportation, as she talked about, uh, not just in words, but really making our system more equitable, um, preventing fare increases, something she has prioritized, uh, increasing funding for transit and preserving and expanding our network of slow streets and bike lanes and other pedestrian and bicycle infrastructure in the city. So uh, as you can tell, uh, I am excited to have Kat's uh, brilliance and transit advocacy, not only for District 5 and, and uh, representing our district, but also now as chair of the CAC. I think she's been an invaluable addition of the CAC uh, and uh, recommend uh, her uh, Re reappointment or renewed appointment uh, today. So thank you very much, Chair Mondo. Thank you, Commissioner Preston. Uh, Commissioner Ronan. Thank you, Chair. Uh, colleagues, my nominee for District 9, Benicia Margarita, couldn't be here due to work, uh, but she's very excited to join us next week to introduce herself to all of you. Uh, Vanessa is a decades-long District 9 resident with years of experience in both the Mission and Portola communities of San Francisco. Uh, she's a social worker and a community organizer. She's bilingual in Spanish, serves on several community boards, and is well-versed on the issues facing District 9 residents, especially in our low-income uh, and immigrant transit riders. Vanessa brings a wealth of experience and I know that she is looking forward to raising the voices of marginalized communities in San Francisco to the CAC. Uh, colleagues, I could not be more excited to make this appointment and I hope that I will have your support for this nomination. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Ronan. Let's open this item to public comment. If there's anybody in the chamber who'd like to come talk to us about item four, please do. And Seeing none, let's see if there's any remote public comment on item four. Checking for remote public comment on item four. Hi, caller. You're two minutes. Good morning, commissioners. This is Anastasia Winopoulos, and I echo Supervisor Preston's great recommendation for the nomination or the reappointment of Kat Siegel 
as president of the CAC. She gave a wonderful report this morning about what happened there, because I was there last time. And um, her, her uh, devotion to Muni and, and all things Muni is astounding. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Yeah, good morning, uh, Commissioners uh, from San Jose. I would also like to um, echo um, uh, Commissioner uh, Preston's um, um, you know, appraisal of uh, Kat Siegel. She's a truly um, outstanding member of the CAC, and this completes my remarks. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right. Uh, public comment on item four is closed. Um, uh, Commissioner Preston, would you like to move item four? Moved by Preston. Commissioner Ronan, would you like to second? Seconded by Ronan. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Yes. Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Aye. Engardio, aye. Chair Madelman? Aye. Madelman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Um, Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai, absent. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. We have 10 ayes. The motion is approved. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call our next item. Item five, state and federal legislation update. This is an information item. Mark Watts. Thank you, Mr. Chair and commissioners. I appreciate being here today to address you. Uh, I've got a brief update to walk you through and I'll start off with a reminder of where we are in the legislative process at this point in time. January 31st was the due date for bills to clear uh, two-year two -year bills to clear their house of origin. So those bills that were able to move forward will be scheduled later uh, this spring and summer for policy hearings. Uh, in the meantime, this coming Friday is the due date for uh, all bill introductions to be, uh, to be made. And we will see probably as many bills introduced in the next five days as we have seen in the last month or so. So Look forward to providing staff with a thorough update on bill introductions uh, early in the following week. Uh, I also want to remind you that there have been some changes uh, legislatively in the uh, leadership of some of the committees, as well as uh, in the Senate. Uh, on the 5th of February, uh, Senator Mike McGuire was installed as the Senate pro tem, uh, and uh, he has made some changes to committees, including Senate Transportation Committee, where uh, the uh, uh, Senator Lena Gonzalez had been the chair. She now is the majority leader of the Senate. And replacing her as chair right now is uh, Senator Cortese from uh, the, the, the uh, San Jose area, a, a nice uh, addition of a Northern Californian to the assembly uh, chair, who is uh, Lori Wilson from uh, Solano County. So we now enjoy two chairs of the Board and Transportation Committee. Uh, moving forward, 
I've got five bills to bring to your attention today, and I'll do it very briefly. These bills are not being proposed for positions as of yet, but they are being put on the watch list by the recommendation of staff, and consequently, there will be no action item at the end of my presentation, but I'll update you on the five bills that are moving through your process into watch positions. The first is AB 1777 by Mr. Ting. He's introduced that at the request of SFMTA and the TA staff. I'm sorry. Yes, that's correct, by both entities. And the bill at present is an intent bill that would call on the legislature to enact legislation to require automated vehicles to comply with the California Vehicle Code traffic laws. Staff at MTA and at the TA are working closely together with the city attorney's office on more substantive language that they would be able to coordinate with Mr. Ting's office to amend before the bill is set for hearing. The next measure I want to bring to your attention is AB 1837 by Assemblymember Papin from the peninsula. This bill also is an intent bill to encourage coordination and collaboration among Bay Area transit agencies. This is one where the staff will be working in close collaboration with MTC, Bay Area transit agencies, and other stakeholders to inform the ultimate substantive bill language that would go into that bill. So we're looking forward to that development. Mr. Senator Cortese, as I indicated, the new chair of transportation in the Senate, has introduced his own autonomous vehicle legislation this year. And this bill is SB 915, which would prohibit an autonomous vehicle company from commencing commercial service within any jurisdiction until authorized by a local ordinance. Staff is working with this, with Mr. Ting on AB 1777, but we're paying close attention to SB 915 as it is developed. One point I would show in favor of SB 915 is that the Board of Supervisors in L.A. County have already taken an early adoption of support on Mr. Cortese's legislation. So it'll be moving along as Mr. Ting's bill moves along in the other house. Just a note, in the last week, another bill was measured, was introduced by Assemblymember Aguirre-Curry, similar to the bill she had already previously introduced last year and was seen to be vetoed. This bill, AB 2286, deals with autonomous vehicles and safety aspects of how to operate those for vehicles in 10,000 pounds or greater. So we'll be bringing that back when we have more information on that legislation. The next two bills are SB 925 by Senator Wiener, and this would authorize MTC to place a revenue measure on the ballot as soon as 2026 for the operation and transformation of the Bay Area's transportation network. So that measure will be more fully developed over time. Staff of the TA has met with the author and leadership of the TA staff have met with the author to provide input on substantive language 
that MTC and other Bay Area agencies may wish to incorporate in the legislation. So that bill has uh, some some uh, steps to go before we will have an ultimate substantive measure to to bring back to your uh, commission. Uh, and finally, uh, Senator Wahab has introduced SB 926, and this bill would require the Cal California Secretary's organization to develop a plan to consolidate the 26 transit agencies in the Bay Area. It's not clear by the intent language whether this will be a planning process mandated under the bill or whether there will be more substantive changes that will seek to mandate uh, an implementation of the plan as well as development of the plan. Uh, so no position is being recommended until we see more uh, more progress on, on the bill's uh, uh, language. And with that, I bring my uh, overview to a close and look forward to giving you more detailed uh, briefings as the legislation is introduced and these measures are further refined in the coming weeks. Um, so and a reminder, there's no action on this item. So thank you very much for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you, uh, Mr. Watts and uh, Commissioner Chan. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. I just wanted to take this opportunity to express my strong support um, for Assemblymember's bill, uh, Assemblymember Phil Tain's bill on autonomous vehicles uh, regulation, as well as um, Senator Cortese's, uh, particularly on autonomous vehicles. Um, uh, regulation to grant local authority and jurisdictions to really be able to um, place restriction on a more of a local level. Um, and those are things definitely uh, not only the bills to watch uh, for me, but uh, bills that I personally uh, support. Um, I just also want to, again, to articulate um, the bill that uh, proposed by Senator Weiner um, to increase bridge toll, which this body has uh, voted to support last year. Uh, I was a uh, no vote on that, and I'm going to continue to be in that same place uh, to be against on um, the bridge toll increase. I think our transit uh, agencies and uh, planning should do better uh, with what we got right now and uh, more money uh, does not necessarily mean that uh, we'll immediately uh, solve our problems and putting burdens across um, Bay Area is difficult. So um, when we're all trying to recover from the pandemic and especially for the local economies. So with that, I just wanted to put that on the record. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Chan. Um, Mr. Mr. Watts, while we have you, I'm wondering if you could, if you have any uh, thoughts about the potential for early renewal of cap and trade and where you think that conversation might be in the legislature. Um, doesn't, doesn't seem like it's Yeah, go ahead. My observation, I've been following this since the fall, really at the request of your staff to monitor this very closely. And I've been chasing rumors down. And uh, at this point, I'm not seeing uh, a, a will to introduce legislation to do that. But I've also noticed that there will be some hearings coming up in one or the other of the, I can't remember which one right now, uh, budget subcommittees to look at uh, the cap and trade um, overview from an overview perspective. So maybe that will be uh, 
the starting point for discussions and, and more public uh, disclosure of what the what the roles may be. Uh, you know, 2030 is coming up pretty rapidly, um, uh, and I think without the surety or the assurance that comes with a, a potential uh, extension, if that were the will of the legislature and the governor, uh, it's hard to look forward to uh, providing uh, sufficient resources to provide for transformative transportation um, projects, uh, particularly transit and rail projects uh, beyond 2030. And we, we would be relying on uh, the amount of revenue that comes from the GGRF fund in that in that in that period at this point in time. So I'm not seeing act, action. That doesn't mean it won't happen. But I also mentioned that there are there will be a hearing coming up in the coming weeks in one of the budget subcommittees, and I'll be reporting on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that anyone in. Well, uh, we have this tremendous opportunity in a sort of infrastructure-minded federal administration right now and um we are gonna if we wait until 20 i mean as you know if we wait until 2030 to extend cap and trade we're gonna have some very dry years when we are not taking advantage of that federal funding and so that seems like a problem and it would be nice for the legislature to decide that it's a problem they want to address sooner rather than later but um it sounds unfortunately like that you know all right now all we're getting is whisperings rather than um assurance so thank you for your work thanks for the update let's take public comment on this item if there's anyone in the chamber who wants to talk to us about item five come on up and otherwise let's uh check for remote public comment on item five looking for a remote public comment hey caller your two minutes begins now uh thank you uh good morning uh chair Raphael mandelman and members uh Alita Dupree, for the record, my pronouns are she and her uh, with Team Fold. Hope you can hear me. Uh, about this legislation, um, I, I am in support of the toll bridge hike. Um, bring us in parity with other agencies because we have to fund transit. Um, I am concerned about an attempt to consolidate 26 different transit agencies. I think it's worth the study. But uh, this could turn out to be a, a years-long issue uh, that could take be very, very difficult to try to uh, control that process. I have deep and grave concerns about the bills concerning autonomous vehicles. I let you know that I actually use the autonomous vehicles. I used them three times yesterday. And they're very helpful to me as a person with profound disability. Um, from, uh, I'm a service-connected U.S. Army veteran in the desert storm. And other kinds of vehicles are regulated at the state or even the federal level. I'm concerned that local ordinances will only bring a very quick path to prohibition. I actually found myself very safe in the autonomous vehicle. For me, as a person with profound disabilities, I'm always seeking safety. There are a lot of people who don't like autonomous vehicles, and they're probably not going to like me because, they, uh, because I use them. I ask that you not make this personal. But I use them, and I think that we have to have consistency throughout the state so I don't find my car stopping at the edge of the town line and I can't get anywhere. So we should watch all these. 
but uh, I advocate that autonomous vehicles need to be kept at the state level so I can travel the state freely. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Thank you, caller. There is no additional public comment. All right, public comment on item five is closed. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call our next item. Item six, approve the 2024 state and legislative, state and federal legislative program. This is an action item. And we have Amber Crabb, our very own public policy manager. Good morning, Chair and Commissioners. So every year we bring the state and federal legislative program to you. It's um, meant to guide these monthly updates that Mark and I provide and the positions we recommend on the state legislation. So it's comprised of broad goals and strategies, um, generally focusing around funding primarily, but then also um, other policy goals such as Vision Zero or um, implementing this, the city's climate action plan. So with respect to uh, the state level, it's gonna be quite a busy year, as you've heard from Mark. Um, we are gonna focus on four top priorities that I'm gonna go through today. Um, the, the first, as you thank you, Chair, for raising this, is the extension of cap-and-trade program. I won't elaborate that anymore, but even though um, there's no, no one willing to introduce the idea yet, we're still hopeful that we can see forward progress this year in support of the portal and other SFMTA parties that are relying on the Transit Intercity Rail Capital Program funding. So the second, um, second area of activity would be engaging in work on the authorizing legislation for a new transportation uh, revenue measure. And again, this was, Mark talked about it, but it is the, the vehicle that it is intended to be introduced is through Senator Wiener's uh, SB 925. So we're working very closely with uh, MTC, other stakeholders, and the Senator um, to advance uh, language that benefits San Francisco um, and the region. So the third priority is to advocate to maintain the transit operations funding that was in the current fiscal year uh, state budget. So it promised 5.1 billion in funding that could be used flexibly to support transit operations and other priorities. Of that, MTC committed 445 million to um, over three years to help the Bay Area with uh, fiscal cliff. And that um, the vast majority of that would go to SFMTA and BART. So, um, Luckily, uh, this funding was still included in uh, the governor's proposed January budget, uh, despite the big deficits they're seeing at the state level, but we're gonna have to continue to work um, to maintain it in uh, the future iterations of the budget. Concurrently, we'll be seeking a um, longer term, stable uh, federal source of funding for transit operations. That's something that's critical, um, both in addition to, and especially if the 2026 revenue measure doesn't uh, pass. So finally, um, we'll be focused on uh, ensuring that autonomous vehicles are deployed in a way that's uh, safe and accountable, um, balancing their kind of benefits and impacts. And it's something we wanna support the, the deployment of this promising new technology, but want it done in a way that, um, that is, is responsible and serves the public. So uh, finally, uh, in addition to Vision Zero, the other policy priorities that we'll be seeking at the state level include um, expanding the eligibility of existing and new fund sources to help transit operate <clears throat> excuse me, transit operators meet the um, new innovative clean transit rule that requires that uh, buses be zero emission by 2040. 
We'll also be continuing to monitor the implementation of state task forces, including the statewide transit transformation task force and um, the state road charge collection pilot. And then finally, we'll be engaging in efforts related to the state's implementation of 2021's climate action plan for transportation infrastructure, especially as it regards um, kind of tying those, those goals to state transportation funding. So that's uh, the busy year on the state level. At the federal level, um, given the, it's an election year and given the composition of Congress, basically um, just hoping to have a, a federal budget is, is what we can expect. <laughs> Uh, at that level. So we'll be focused on securing apportionments in there at the level uh, approved in the current federal transportation bill. We do expect uh, conversations to start around the reauthorization of that bill, um, and we'll be working on that behind the scenes. So um, finally, the last key priority will be, of course, supporting the advancement of the portal through the capital investment grant program. So with that, uh, that is my report and be happy to take any questions you have. I don't see any comments or questions, so let's open this okay. item to public comment. Thank, Thank you. you. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to come forward and address us on item six, please do. And otherwise, let's see if there's any remote public comment on item six. Checking for remote public comment on item six. Hey, Kohler, your minutes begin now. Uh, thanks again, uh, Chair Rafael Mandelman. Uh, and members, uh, Alita Dupree, for the record, she and her uh, with Team Fold. I'm in the supermarket. How about that? Um, I think overall we have a good program going on here. Um, I'm a really big fan of MTC. Uh, j just thought you should know that. So I really appreciate your continued engagement uh, with MTC uh, as they really bring about a broad um, perspective um, the transportation in the Bay Area, because I use transportation on a uh, regional basis. Um, I, I ask for your continued advocacy at the, the federal level that we can get um, transportation funding uh, in the budget. And that is challenging now with the, with the way the congressional map is looking. Uh, again, I heard a mention of autonomous vehicles. Um, that I want us to have the best uh, autonomous vehicle uh, program that we can. Uh, it comes from regulation, not prohibition. Uh, I, I ask you that your uh, legislative uh, programmers view this with an open mind. But uh, I really do appreciate the uh, legislative work that you're doing. Uh, and I think we're going to get some good work out of this plan. And I look forward to seeing it refined. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no additional public comment. All right, uh, public comment on item six is closed. Is there a motion to approve item six? Moved by Melgar, seconded by Dorsey. Um, I think we can take that same house, same call without objection, the motion passes. Um, Madam Clerk, could you please call our next item? Next item, um, item seven, adopt four 2023 Prop L five-year prioritization programs and amend the Prop L strategic plan baseline. This is an action item. All right, and I believe we have Mike Pickford, our principal transportation planner, joining us remotely. 
yes, sorry, I couldn't be there in person, but you should be able to see my slides now. Um, so as mentioned, we have um, the next group of five YPPs for your consideration. Um, as a reminder, the expenditure plan approved by the voters uh, requires development and board approval of five-year prioritization programs or five YPPs as a prerequisite to allocation of funds from a given program, along with adoption of the Prop L strategic plan. I won't go through the next few background slides in detail as the board has seen them before, but they provide some background on the process. To date, the board has approved 15 five YPPs out of 28 total. So these are the those background slides. Um, these are the four or five YPPs that we are recommending for your approval today, and I'll cover highlights from the projects from each of them. For muni reliability and efficiency improvements, we're recommending four projects that improve the reliability and speed of muni bus and rail service. Um, bus transit signal priority, or TSP, will improve uh, transit times and reliability by prioritizing transit vehicles as they approach signalized intersections. Currently, about half the potential locations have TSP, and these funds would go towards the uh, 120 signalized intersections on high-frequency muni routes that don't yet have TSP. We funded TSP in the Signs and Signals Maintenance 5YPP last fall to keep existing TSP in a state of good repair, but we do, um, as we mentioned then, remain concerned about SFMTA's ability to deliver this type of project in part due to high demand for their signal shop staff. We will reevaluate uh, whether projects are ready to proceed at the time of allocation. Uh, next is Muni Forward Corridor Development. This would fund planning, preliminary engineering, and design for the next generation of uh, Muni Forward Corridor projects. And these would improve, um, include a variety of improvements that will um, enhance reliability, speed, and safety of those Muni routes. The corridor groups that you see here um, as part of that project are preliminary, but the intention of the Prop L funds would be to match a $3 million state grant for planning of group one. And these corridors were um, included in this request based on route performance, uh, the mini equity strategy, uh, the high injury network and community feedback, as well as coordination opportunities with other projects. And the uh, project would include comprehensive targeted outreach. Next, the Geneva San Jose M-Line Terminal would construct new terminal facilities that meet current design standards, including bull bouts and safer pedestrian crossings for the M-Line at Balboa Park Station. Prop L funds would leverage a $20 million state grant for the broader M-Ocean View uh, project, but these Prop L funds would be only restricted to the M-Line Terminal. Next, the Mission uh, Soma Transit Improvements would make permanent a temporary transit lane that, um, on Mission Street that was constructed during the pandemic to uh, speed the 14 and 14R buses. Uh, our second 5YPP is Muni Rail Core Capacity. This um, has one project. This would build on a Prop K funded uh, Muni Metro Core Capacity Study to identify and advance long-term capacity and reliability projects for the Muni Metro that can then compete for federal capital investment grants. This is a similar approach to BART's core capacity program, and improvements may, uh, may uh, include um, train control, surface rail improvements, and capacity strategies like uh, longer trains. The Transportation Authority will continue to have an enhanced level of technical oversight for this project. The third 5YPP is the Caltrain, Caltrain Downtown Rail Extension. Um, the Prop L funds would help uh, what the project now known as the Portal seek a four plus billion dollar federal new starts grant 
the board already approved significant advancing of funds in the strategic plan baseline and showing a commitment of local funds is required to request um, entry into the next engineering phase of the new starts program future allocation of these prop l funds is subject to continued compliance with the transportation authority's oversight protocol um, for the portal and if tjpa does not uh, secure a full funding grant agreement by june 2025 um, the Transportation Authority may revisit this 5YPP to consider um, reprogramming. The fourth um, 5YPP is transit enhancements, which is intended to um, uh, fund projects that are customer-facing transit enhancements, um, and we're recommending three projects. The first is the 22nd Street Caltrain Station ADA enhancements that would add wheelchair-accessible ramps on uh, both platforms that are currently accessible only by stairs, as well as uh, wayfinding, lighting, and other improvements. Um, these uh, improvements are recommended by a um, neighborhood program study uh, requested by Commissioner Walton, and the Prop L funds would be the local match for a, um, a federal all-station accessibility grant that Caltrain is seeking that we're supporting. Uh, the next project is flag stop improvement. This uh, project responds to a 2021 Board of Supervisors resolution requesting that SFMTA improve bus stops. The project would fund painting red curbs at flag stops where parking is currently permitted, um, which will allow the bus to pull up to the curb and deploy the wheelchair. There'll be a, a clear zone where um, passengers can board and where the operator can deploy the wheelchair ramp. We are recommending a condition uh, on allocation of these funds that SFMTA provides a list of flag stop locations that could be potential um, sites to upgrade to a shelter. And finally, the Muni Transit Shelter Replacement Program would fund a redesign of a Muni Transit Shelter. This project includes a um, community process uh, to design the new shelter, and it's expected this will include um, improved seating, accessibility, maintainability, and other visual features. The current shelter maintenance contract with Clear Channel ends in 2027. This slide shows expected leveraging for each program versus the leveraging in the recommended projects. In many cases, anticipated leveraging is lower than expected because we are recommending funding early planning and design phases of projects that can then compete for um, grants for construction. So we would expect leveraging to increase. We will also continue to work with sponsors to seek additional leveraging uh, before the funds are allocated. Um, our programming recommendation does require advancing funds in two of the four programs under consideration. Uh, an amendment to the strategic plan is required to incorporate the recommended programming and cash flow. The resulting uh, impact is a slight increase in projected financing over the 30-year period, but we support this approach in order to help these projects compete for grants as well as to deliver benefits to the public sooner. Um, we are working with various uh, project sponsors to and to develop the remaining eight 5YPPs, and we will bring these to board over the next few months, followed by adoption of the final strategic plan. With that, I can take any questions, and we do have a number of sponsor staff that can answer questions as well. Thank you, Mr. Pickford. I don't see any questions. Let's open this item to public comment. If there is any, oh. Oh, all right, Commissioner Engardio. Thank you. I just have a quick question on the transit enhancement portion, the uh, Muni transit shelter replacement. Just want to be mindful, um, we've had a couple high-profile debacles lately in our city trying to uh, improve or redesign things. I'm thinking of the trash cans, the $20,000 trash cans, which 
was a disaster and we had to scuttle the whole thing. I, I just wanted, like, are we being mindful that we don't redesign muni shelters in the same process we try to redesign trash cans? Um, because, I mean, it's, and then I'm thinking of the Noe Valley, the toilet. Like, there's just so many things that have been in the news and for good reason. Uh, I just want to make sure we're not going to go down a rabbit hole and repeat similar problems um, with this redesign of the muni shelter. Uh, thank you. Would you like SFMTA staff to respond to that? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I'm not sure who the do appropriate we, staff person is on the, on the line, but... SFMTA staff? I'm, can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. So my name's Lisa Ising. I'm the Building and Grounds Maintenance Superintendent for the Platforms and Shelter at MTA. Um, we are not going to rush out with a new shelter design. Clear Channel's contract is up in 2029. So we're gonna start looking at it now, but we, um, please, uh, we will be very thoughtful in the new shelter design and not rush anything out. Great, and there's one more question, just because in the description here, it says, inclusive community process, design a new shelter to improve seating, accessibility, main maintainability, and overall visual features. I, you know, like I have not seen a bus shelter in San Francisco that hasn't been completely trashed and by vandals and the glass shattered. And it's like it, almost mostly the, the glass, you, you can't even replace it anymore because it's just a constant. Uh, so I just wonder if in this description, are we going to try to design something that's, you know, can withstand the vandals that have kind of ravished our bus shelters before we design something fancy and new and then it just gets trashed again. So just, I just wanna be mindful of that, just the, the reality on the ground that we see. No, we, we, we're, we completely understand Supervisor and Guardio and we are, um, everyone will have a chance to weigh in on the new shelter design. We'll have several different options. Um, and we, like I said, we will not rush this out. We wanna make sure it's something that we can get, you know, all of our constituents on board for, literally. Great, thank you. Um, thank you for that. I, I, I wouldn't say that the bathroom or um, trash cans were, were rushed. I don't think that was the, <laughs> the problem there, but uh, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, Chair Mendelman. And, and I, I just wanted to add on the, on the bus shelters and certainly recognize the problem with maintaining them. I will say there are many of them uh, that are in, in good condition and used by folks uh, every day and are essential. And I just wanna make sure that the concerns and legitimate concerns about maintaining them and vandalism um, don't make us move away from the shelters. We need to be uh, investing in and maintain the shelters. But I do wanna comment, cause I was just out with some merchants in the Haight-Ashbury and we had a, a shelter. We're currently dealing with MTA on this, but um, that is a shelter that is literally just a massive billboard uh, with only two seats that was erected right in front of the window of a business. Um, I cannot for the life of me understand this, but it, it raised the issue um, and we're working with MTA to, to try to make some changes, but it, it did raise the issue and I just wanna make sure we're mindful going forward and currently that like what these bus shelters are for, I mean, these are primarily for seating for people who need a seat when they're waiting for a bus, protection uh, from the elements, whether that's shade or uh, staying dry when it's raining um, and providing information to riders, right? That, that, that I believe those should be the guiding 
principles. And I'm, I'm really shocked by just the time and energy that we have invested in some, um, some of these that meet none of those criteria. This one I'm referencing in the hate is literally a massive structure that only has two seats, no overhead anything. It's just a massive billboard. And so I understand the goal of getting revenue from these bus shelters, uh, but we need to make sure that's not the primary driver uh, and the primary function that we're just effectively erecting uh, billboards instead of actual bus shelters. So um, I, I, if, if MTA or TA wants to comment on that, I'm just, I guess, but the, only, the question I have is like, are there some guiding principles and standards around this? Because I don't know how some of these that we're seeing uh, passed any uh, common sense test, uh, and, and it feels like it's being led by a billboard and advertising strategy instead of a rider-focused strategy. The MTA want to try and respond to that? I, I can try to respond. This is Lisa Icing again. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have enough staff to maintain all the shelters that we have. So the contract with Clear Channel is kind of essential. The trade-off is, you know, they get to advertise on the shelters, but they also maintain them, replace them, install them. Um, as you know, we receive a lot of revenue um, from the advertising, which we desperately need as well. So we're, we're trying to find a medium balance here where we're not... Um, it, it's not just advertising. We also want to make sure we're providing the amenities. But right now, this is our, our best um, solution to maintaining the shelters. Uh, through, through the chair, I, I just want to, you know, we, we will continue to work together to address this one in the hate, but I think it is symptomatic of a problem. I'm not uh, trying to get an argument about whether we should have advertisements and be getting revenue. Um, my, my issue, and, and I would invite any of you who are in the hate to look at what was, you know, we have businesses trying to come back after the pandemic. We have a big window on a retail business that is now overshadowed by a massive billboard that all it is is a bus shelter that again has no overhead protection for anyone, has almost no seating. It is clearly just so I don't think we're raising enough revenue <laughs> through that one ad to justify the impact on the business and the lack of providing anything uh, for, for riders. So I, I guess if it doesn't exist, if there are not guiding principles of like a bus shelter needs to meet A, B, and C, uh, and then we work in the advertising component and the revenue and the maintenance of it, uh, there should be, and so I look forward to working with MTA, not just on that one shelter that's highly problematic, but also looking at how we end up investing the time and money into a shelter that truly does not serve riders in any way, negatively impacts a small business, and I guess gets us some minimum revenue, although I question whether it even does after the costs of installation and so forth. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Commissioner Chan. Uh, just if I may put my other hat on as the budget committee chair on the board of supervisors, just want to correct on the record that the board of supervisor has, you know, approved clear channel um, contract that clearly show, especially during the pandemic, that it has not been generating revenue. I mean, if at best it was even 
somewhat uh, because of the maintenance agreement. But uh, when it went through the board at the committee, there was discussion about whether this is really uh, beneficial to for the city, um, especially Clear Channel was indicating that their um, commercial uh, revenues was not there for them to continue with the contract because they're just not getting enough ads. So I, I just want to be on the record, it's not like <laughs> the city is really generating that much of revenue uh, with Clear Channel contract. At best, it's just the mutual, uh, it's an even out contract that may or may not really help us maintain our bus shelter. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Chan. Let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who would like to talk to us about item seven, please come forward. I'd like to make mention at this time that we have received public comment on this item, which is posted to the website. I wanted to wait, but just about this. You don't get any revenue from uh, Clear Channel or the uh, advertisement. Remember, it's not advertisement, it's propaganda. So it works against you. Let's be clear. So it's the opposite. See, it's like, no. So we make it clear. Like these days, uh, you can, are the only one who can prevent wildfires. Is that a, it's the bad joke, huh? But that's for later. Okay. <clears throat> Please, it's what's against you. We need to raise the level of intelligence we said earlier. Here. All right, if there's any further public comment, please come forward. Good morning, Edward Mason. Um, I hope you have read the public comment that I submitted regarding uh, the Muni Rail core capacity. You must also understand that this has been embedded with Connect SF, that's the, really the guiding document, and this is just the implementation of that guiding document. And when you dissect it, it really means a, a, a force transfer for the J Church and a force transfer for the KL that's gonna be interlined between Balboa Park and uh, uh, the zoo. So carefully understand what you are doing at this point in time by allowing these funds to be spent to truncate this future service because that's the implication of uh, the documentation. It's also gonna be with a communication-based control system that has been said to increase the capacity of the subway. However, everything else that you read uh, in the uh, Connect SF is to speed up everything. Well, you can allow the J to go in there. Also, the housing element, you must look at the population controls. Currently, we've had a declining population rate in, in the United States, and the birth rate has, uh, or the population replacement, has decreased from uh, 2.1 to 1.7. Uh, may I have additional time for the you got 30 more seconds. Pardon me? Keep going. You got 20 more seconds. Uh, okay. Uh, regarding the uh, transit shelters, read my comments and go to the Valley Transportation Authority and utilize their design uh, that has been tried and true. And also on the one stop uh, flag stops, consider the hills 
that I've written about in here and given examples at 23rd and Castro and all. And Thank I'm you. disappointed that we've got so many items and still only two minutes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, don't see anyone else in the chamber, so let's see if we have any remote public comment on item seven. Checking for remote public comment. Hi, Good caller. morning, commissioners. This is Anastasia Yovanopoulos. I'm opposed to the elimination of Muni Metro lines from the subway service, speaking on the Muni rail core capacity item. The new train control system should be able to accommodate the increased demand by retaining any lines not in the core, like the NU to M and the, the sh shuttle. You spending $750 million on a new train control system, you could at least make sure that all the lines go into the tunnel and not have to remove some of them like the J Church. I also support Prop L funds not being used to in advance in the five-year prioritization program for Muni Rail Corps Capacity Program, which had previously allowed for forced transfer at Market and DeBose Streets rather than a direct route to downtown. There's no reason to exclude the J, the K, or the L Tarrville Muni lines from service. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Um, hello again, commissioners. Thank you for the opportunity, Roland Robert, and Jose. Um, very briefly, um, I was concerned to um, hear the issues with that uh, bus shelter in front of a business. Uh, the first thing I would recommend is that based on this experience that the matter be referred back to the LCC uh, for further discussion. And um, at that point, um, I will uh, bring up a suggestion moving forward to give prior mailing notices to all residents and businesses within 200 feet either side of a, uh, a proposed uh, new shelter uh, location to avoid these kind of uh, problems in the future. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. My name is Michael Spisner. I'm a regular J Church rider, and I'm part of a large and growing coalition of muni riders who oppose the removal of any of the existing rail lines from the subway. I'm calling to note an ambiguity in the documentation supporting the proposed muni, muni rail core capacity program. In December 2021, the MTA Board of Directors required MTA management to return the J Church to the, to the subway and to consider removing the line from the tunnel only if congestion in the subway increased beyond an unacceptable red line. I'm pleased to note that two years have passed since the J was returned to the subway, and subway congestion has not increased since that time. Notably, the supporting materials for today's meeting do not disclose that the Muni Rail Corps Capacity Project contemplates removing lines from the subway. 
However, the project information form that was provided to the Community Advisory Committee at its January 24th meeting explains that the implementation step referred to as, quote, reconfigure the system, unquote, means removing two lines from the subway. Similarly, the proposed, quote, service restructuring, unquote, means, quote, removing one or more lines from the subway, unquote. I object to any use of Prop L funds for removal of any lines from the subway. Because the supporting documentation is unclear, I ask that the CTA obtain clarification from MTA management before voting. Alternatively, I ask the CTA to condition approval of this project on a commitment from MTA management that the approved funds will not be used in any way to promote the removal of any lines from the subway. Thank you. Thank you, Miller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Hello. Good morning. This is Barry Toronto. I'm glad we can call in remotely. I want to point out that uh, Commissioner Preston's uh, question about the bus shelters was not adequately answered by the SFMTA uh, representative. He, he asked, isn't the bus shelter supposed to protect people waiting for the bus and, and, and have a seat for people who want to sit and wait? Well, she didn't answer the question. She just said that, that they allow, they, in order to pay for the bus shelters, you got to have advertising. But the shelter has to have a certain, a certain role it plays in the community. And right now, it's, it's a detrimental role in that location. So I want to say, uh, in, in uh, segueing regarding uh, taxis, we're getting the same treatment from the SFMTA. We keep asking for answers, we keep asking for help, and we don't get it. Uh, that funding that you just talked about should also include funding to, prov to provide some debt relief to medallion holders. We're still a divided industry in which you have the haves and have-nots, those who can pick up from the airport and those who cannot. And it's harmed the industry, and it's impacted service of the city, and it's and it's in, and it's possibly could lead to more foreclosures because of the fact that airport is not as busy as it used to be and until the uh, conventions come back and the tourism comes back. Thank you for your time and early happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right. Public comment on item seven is closed. I would like to give the MTA the opportunity to um, address, well, address the concerns or the question about the relationship between the core capacity work and any thinking MTA may be doing about the trains that may or may not be going into the tunnel. Do we have someone from MTA who can respond to that? Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Yes, uh, my name is Kansai Uchida. I am the SFMTA's project manager for the Muni Metro Modernization Core Capacity Study. Um, I can provide some clarification that, and background. The, the Muni Metro Modernization Study is a long-range plan um, focused on developing a strategy to expand capacity of the rail system to meet future projected growth in ridership. 
the timeline for the study is a 10 to 30 year timeline. So our, our planning horizon is really like in the 2035 to 2050 timeframe. Um, we're looking at solutions that include longer trains, replacement of aging infrastructure and reliability improvement, um, things that can take a number of years to deliver because they are major capital projects. That's why the planning and strategizing for this is starting now. Um, and we are also looking at um, service restructuring or rerouting the service patterns to help increase the system's carrying capacity, again, on that 10 to 30 year time horizon. Um, what we have been finding so far is using different service patterns can maximize capacity and reliability when combined with other strategies, such as longer trains on busier lines. Um, we won't make a final decision on service rerouting and any recommendations we do make would be on that 10 plus year timeline. Um, so, but we do think it is an important tool to improve capacity and reliability that we should explore further. Um, again, we want to address near term service changes any sooner than 10 plus years. Um, we are doing some early outreach as part of our ongoing study and there will be much more in subsequent phases of our work, especially uh, as the work progresses towards implementation. Uh, thanks for the opportunity uh, to speak. All right, thank you. Um, is there a motion to approve this item? Moved by Dorsey, is there a second? Seconded by me. Okay, I will. I will say second by Stephanie. Um, and uh, I would also like to excuse um, Commissioner Walton from the remainder of this meeting. And Madam Clerk, can you call the roll on the motion? Yes. Um, for. I'm sorry. Where are we at here? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Chan. Chan. I. Commissioner Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Aye. Engardio, aye. Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Um, Chair Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Chair Ronan? Commissioner, I'm sorry. Commissioner. <laughs> Commissioner Ronan. Um, Commissioner Safai? Aye. Commissioner Stephanie? And uh, Commissioner Walton has been excused. There are 10 ayes, then the motion is approved. Great, uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call our next item. Next item is item eight, allocate 10,489,620 in Prop L funds with conditions to the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency for paratransit, and this is an action item. Uh, and I believe that we have um, Camille Cachoua. Hello. <laughs> Good morning, commissioners. I'm Camille Koshwa, assistant transportation planner. And SFGovTV, I have my slides up and I'm sharing my screen. Today, I will present the Prop L allocation item for SFMTA's paratransit. This one Prop L request is for approximately 10.5 million to paratransit to fund the operations phase. And this is an annual request. Paratransit services, which include door-to-door -door van, taxi, and other transportation services, are provided to persons with disabilities who are unable to use fixed route transit service and are certified eligible according to federal criteria. SFMTA is requesting less than the Prop L programmed amount of 13.1 million 
Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, amount of 13.1 million for fiscal year 23-24 due to the availability of about 2.6 million in unspent Prop K funds from fiscal year 22-23. Approximately 2.6 million remains. You know what? Hold on one moment. We yeah. have very much the wrong slide. We had the wrong slide. All right, here's the funding plan for the paratransit request for this current fiscal year 23-24. Apologies for that. So approximately 2.6 million remains from the fiscal year 22-23 Prop K allocation as actual paratransit expenditures were below the projected cost for that year. The funding plan also includes another 2 million from fiscal year 21-22 Prop K. And this is largely due to reduced demand for ADA paratransit services from the COVID-19 pandemic. The unspent Prop K funds are reinvested into the Prop L paratransit program, which helps extend it farther out in the Prop L strategic plan baseline. As you can see in the funding plan, BART also provides funds for the SFMTA paratransit services. And in this fiscal year 23-24, the local sales tax is 45% of the paratransit budget. And with that, I'm able to answer any questions. We also have SFMTA staff available. Thank you. Thank you for your presentation. And I don't see comments or questions. So let's open this item to public comment. Anyone who wants to talk to us about item eight, please come forward. And if there's no one, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item eight. Checking for remote public comment on item eight. And there is no public comment. All right. Uh, public comment on item eight is closed. Is there a motion to approve item eight? Moved by Chan, seconded by Preston. Um, and I think that we can take that motion, same house, same call, without objection. The motion passes. Thank you. Um, Madam Clerk, please call item nine. Item nine. Release 130,000 in previously allocated Prop L funds to the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency for Vision Zero Education and Communications. Speed safety cameras. This is an action item. Yeah, and a very exciting one, too. Um, Linda Veray, Transportation Planner, tell us about these speed safety cameras. Good morning, Commissioners. In November 2023, the board allocated 150,000 in the Prop L sales tax funds to MTA to support an education and communication campaign for the Speed Safety Camera Pilot Program, authorized by AB 645. The board placed 130,000 of the Prop L funds on reserve to be released pending a presentation from the MTA on their detailed scope, schedule, and budget for further input. So SFMTA is requesting that the board release the funds on reserve, and we will now have Shannon Hake, Speed Safety Camera Program Manager, and Christy Osorio, Vision Zero Education Coordinator, present this project update. Thank you. Okay, great. 
Hi, commissioners. I'm Shannon Hake with the SFMTA uh, and the Speed Safety Program Manager. Uh, this item is specifically about the public education campaign, but I'm here to provide a little bit of background on how it fits within our overall speed safety camera program. Assembly Bill 645 uh, passed four months ago, allowing speed cameras in San Francisco and five other California cities for five years. This law is very specific in laying out where cameras can be implemented, how they'll be implemented, and what success looks like. The key points I'd like to draw your attention to are that these are civil penalties. Uh, they're not moving violations. They're issued to the owner of the vehicle, not necessarily who was driving the vehicle. And this program is uh, managed by the MTA. We're not sharing data on offenders with the police department, uh, with the DMV, or others. We're at the beginning of the process now, anticipating that cameras will be operational about this time next year. Right now, we are hard at work identifying camera locations, developing necessary policy documents for approval, and advancing contract legislation. These stars uh, indicate decisions or approvals that will go through the Board of Supervisors uh, late April for the project-specific legislation and May for the use policy and impact report. Um, I wanted to briefly explain how we're choosing camera locations, uh, though this is not part of the outreach or education we're requesting funding for. We're using a data-driven process that starts with the high injury network. That's the 12% of city streets that account for 68% of the serious injuries and fatalities on our roadways. Uh, and then overlays crash data and speed studies and identifies locations where the most vulnerable roadway users like children or seniors may be present. That led to a short list of about 70 locations uh, where we recently captured detailed speed and volume data using pneumatic tubes. Uh, we're analyzing that data now and plan to announce potential locations in the coming weeks. Uh, the orange dots show our short list locations. We've also begun uh, targeted outreach to stakeholder groups to better understand how to build an equitable and beneficial program for San Franciscans. The state legislation requires that we work collaboratively with racial equity, privacy protection, and economic justice groups. Uh, we've met with these groups, along with transportation safety advocates, shown in green, to gather input on how we will build out this program. And with that context, I'll hand it over to Christy Osorio, who will describe the public education campaign that we're requesting funding for. Good morning, commissioners. I'm Christy Osorio, Vision Zero Education Lead. So the minimum legislation requires that we launch a public information campaign at least 30 days before the cameras turn on. With that, we have to include public announcements with major media outlets and press releases, as well as host a website with general information around our system use policy, our speed safety system impact report, and where the public can get more information. Uh, we would like to build more on this. We want to have a robust public education campaign that will bring in the public to help understand why slowing speeds is important for traffic safety. This is our education campaign timeline. We're going to start work now, and it's in line with the launch of when the cameras will turn on in January 2025. There are two major components with our education campaign, and that is working with community groups to develop messaging, to develop um, 
understanding what channels that folks receive information on, and then evaluation so that we can really check in on our campaign effectiveness and iterate as needed. Um, you'll also see a portion here with um, working with neighbor cities. Uh, the two other Bay Area cities that are also launching this campaign are San Jose and Oakland, and we've started conversations with them on how we can build from this education campaign to get a regional campaign and having more wider reach. This slide is just to demonstrate a little bit of the tactics that we've used in the past. Uh, actual tactics that we land on will depend on what we hear from our community groups, but just an example starting in the top left. This is a billboard that drivers coming into San Francisco from the Bay Bridge see, showing that our values around traffic safety are important. We also build on MTA assets, so on our bus shelters we put ads up. In the middle you'll see how we've worked with uh, different community groups in developing our messaging, and then all of the sort of moving ads, uh, we can do targeted uh, me media buys. So we can geocache and see target folks who are on their phones in different areas of the city, as well as target users who look up things like fast cars. And of course, we do our outreach in language and make sure that our community groups um, vet the messaging and that it's relevant. This is the general overview of the cost and funding for the campaign. It's a total of $174,000, of which around $24,000 are MTA funds and the 150 dollars are the Prop L funds. And lastly, this is just a snapshot of all the upcoming milestones for the program and the education campaign. And this is just to demonstrate that we're working on the education campaign along with the program so that we are ready to launch as soon as the cameras turn on. Thank you. Happy to take any questions. Thank you for your presentation. Vice Chair Melgar. Uh, thank you, Chair Mandelman. Uh, I was sitting here chatting with uh, Commissioner Chan, and we had this question about how the camera program actually works. So if the camera, you know, uh, records somebody doing something that they're not supposed to, what happens? I can tell you personal experience. There's a camera on Junipero Serra in Daly City near my credit union. And a few years ago, I um, sped up through a yellow light, I will admit, and um, it took a picture. I did, never got a ticket, but I got a threatening letter saying, we have a picture of you doing something that, and I swear for the next you know, four years, I've been so careful every time I go through that intersection. So it was effective you know, for me, but I'm wondering how do we, act, what, what are the mechanics? How does it actually work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the speed cameras uh, work a little bit differently than red light cameras. Uh, speed cameras have a radar system within them that only triggers the camera when the radar system has been activated. So essentially, if a um, if a cam if a vehicle is moving uh, 10 miles an hour or more over the, the posted speed limit, the radar will activate and then we'll get a picture. But these are a little bit different than other surveillance cameras. We can't uh, remote dial into them. Um, and monitor overall traffic, they must be activated only um, when there's a speeding vehicle. So then what happens? Uh, like what happens with the, when, when the cameras- What's the repercussion for speeding? What happens? Yeah. Uh, so the, um, for the first 60 days, there's a warning period uh, where we'd be sending uh, the vaguely threatening email or letter that, that you received. 
Um, and uh, there would be no fee associated with that for the first 60 days of operation. After that, uh, the fees do uh, start kicking in after the first uh, 60 days. And they're, um, they're set by the state. It's $50 if you're going 11 miles per hour to 15 miles per hour over the posted speed limit. And they go higher from there. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and can you explain the distinction between uh, a moving violation and a civil penalty? Yes, a moving violation is typically issued by the San Francisco Police Department um, and can have a, um, a criminal component to it. These are just civil penalties. These are assessed by the MTA, not by the police department. And uh, thus, there's no uh, repercussion essentially at the DMV, um, the same way that there would be for a moving violation. And what's the highest amount that the penalties can be? The highest amount is $500. Uh, that's if someone is going 100 miles per hour or more in their vehicle. Okay. Um, and how, sort of logistically, um, how is this going to work? The, the, the camera, is there a human being who has to do something, or does the ticket automatically get generated, or like what? Because I could imagine a whole bunch of information about a whole bunch of um, speeding happening, but if it requires a person to be sending out tickets, that or so the, do we do we know the logistics yet? We do, yes. So essentially, what happens is after the speeding vehicle triggers the camera. Um, an image is taken of the rear license plate of that vehicle. It's then sent to the vendor who we're working with, and the vendor has a quality review team to make sure that not only was the rear license plate visible, um, but that there was no obstruction, the lens wasn't foggy, there was no other issue, and they can use the cameras or the, the photos that are taken in quick succession against a fixed object in the road to essentially determine the speed that the vehicle was traveling at. Um, at that point, the image, if, if all looks good from their side of things, it's sent to somebody on the MTA side of things, one of our uh, parking control officers, uh, who generally will, will review it, look at whether a speeding violation occurred, and sign off on it. If that happens, uh, that, is, that is then the, the process for issuing the ticket. We do a DMV lookup of the rear license plate, determine the most recent location where the vehicle was registered, and then send the letter out to that location. So there are going to be people who have to do stuff. That's right. And are we confident that we have the people to do this stuff quickly and get these tickets out? Yes. We don't have a vendor on board yet. There are a couple uh, legislative hurdles we need to uh, clear before doing so. Um, but there are many vendors who have operated similar systems for, um, for dozens and dozens of cities across the country. But there are also city people who have to do stuff, or no? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm a little more worried, frankly, about the city side than I am about the vendor side. Yes, we absolutely have a, um, a hiring plan for reviewing these violations, and uh, we believe everything will be on board for us to start the program early next year. Okay. Commissioner Dorsey. Thank you, Chair. Mandelman, it occurs to me that um, the target audience that we're whose behavior we're trying to change, the drivers, that it would, it would, we would do well to educate, especially, I think, car owners. Um, and given that we've got three Bay Area cities, is there a thought to doing by direct mail, reaching out to every, every owner of a registered vehicle 
it'd be nice almost in the Bay Area, and I really like the approach of like let's have a multiplier effect of sharing resources, but this is about changing the behavior of drivers, but ultimately also, I, you know, I can imagine when I used to drive my parents' car, it might, might have been helpful for, you know, my, my driving behavior to know that my parents are gonna be holding me accountable for that. So I, I do think this, that is one other change that car owners would benefit from knowing, but also um, for people in San Francisco to know that if you're driving in San Jose or Oakland, that there's new rules now. Yeah, we've heard from other cities who've implemented similar campaigns that direct mail is a really effective tactic. So that's something that we're talking to other cities about also exploring. And we're building that into our budgeting. Thank you. Great, good work. All right, um, let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who wants to talk to us about this item, come on forward. I used to say a while back last year that technology works with organized crime. I'm serious, it looks like uh, too much here to say that, but this is the fact. Criminals won't give a damn about your cameras because they won't pay the thing, they don't care. So you are trying to control good people here. That's not a good idea. It's the sign, another sign of your low level of intelligence. I'm very sorry, you have to face the reality of it. It's stupid, to put it in other words. You have to think a little more about what I'm saying here. Try to say, yeah, what is he saying? Okay, it's very easy to understand. Six years old, I mean, Um, I don't see anyone else in the chamber who wants to talk to us about this item, so let's see if we uh, have any remote public comment on item nine. Checking for remote public comments. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Commissioners, my name is Jody Medeiros, and I'm calling from Walk San Francisco. And I just want to remind everybody that speed continues to be the number one on our streets and pedestrians are dying at the highest rate, far higher than any other mode in traffic collision. And last year, Walk San Francisco, along with our partners at Families for Safe Streets, and along with you, our city's leaders and the mayor, we fought so hard in Sacramento to pass a speed camera law. So I'm asking you today to approve this modest amount to do the required education so that as early as January 2025. We don't want that uh, schedule to slip, January 2025. And so I want to commend SFMTA for bringing this to you early and getting sign-off so that we have the requested amount from Prop L. And we can really keep this pilot and all the tools that we need on our streets to save lives. We need this on track. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Caller, your two minutes begins now. Hello, good morning again. This is Barry Toronto. Uh, great presentation, lots of great information, but I did not see the Paratransit Coordinating Council, which is one of your uh, subcommittees within the TAMS division. 
Uh, have you reached out to them for feedback? And it would be great to include the PCC uh, at an upcoming meeting and also to reach out to the unions that use uh, the streets on a regular basis to do their jobs. It would be great to get feedback, such as the Teamsters and the San Francisco Taxi Workers Alliance and other unions that use the streets regularly to, to do their jobs efficiently. Uh, and last, but I forgot to mention the last item, if I could quickly say, the, the Parks and Recreation now charging cab drivers $5.00 cents to go through the garage and uh, cost the exorbitant amount to take a woman in the outer Richmond district, a 91-year-old woman, exorbitant amount of money because I couldn't go through the park to get her to the to uh, the, the, the UCSF Parnassus campus. It took me uh, 45 minutes on a lot of money. So you got to rectify that and uh, or give us more paratransit funding. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right, public comment on item nine is closed. I do think this is an exciting item um, and want to thank staff for the presentation and their work on it. And of course, Walk San Francisco and all the advocates and former um, uh, Chair uh, Peskin for his advocacy for this legislation over many years and Commissioner Dorsey and everybody who um, was eager to see um, uh, speed cameras happen. So um, is, would anyone like to move this item? Moved by Dorsey, would anyone like to second this item? Uh, seconded by uh, Chan, and um, uh, I think we can take that same house, same call without objection. Uh, the motion passes. Madam Clerk, can you please call item 10? Item 10, adopt fiscal year 2024-25 transportation fund for clean air local expenditure criteria. This is an action item. Mike Pickford, you are back. I am. I'll try to go through this quickly. Uh, so the Transportation Fund for Clean Air is a grant program that um, is a grant program for projects that reduce motor vehicle emissions beyond current requirements to improve air quality. Revenue comes from a $4 surcharge on vehicles registered in the Bay Area. Uh, for this year, we have approximately $650,000 available for eligible projects. The Air District establishes eligibility requirements, including eligible project types, and requires uh, the counties to adopt local expenditure criteria every year to guide their selection of local projects, which is what we're discussing today. Um, the Air District, Air District requirements include strict cost effectiveness thresholds that each project must meet. And in past years, we have funded uh, bike parking, shuttles to transit hubs, electric taxis, uh, EV chargers, and even building a uh, clipper card into SF State's student ID card. Uh, so for this year, we are not recommending any changes to our local expenditure criteria versus the last couple of years. The criteria include prioritizing zero emissions non-vehicle projects such as bike facilities, followed by shuttle services, and then vehicle projects like EV chargers. Our local criteria also prioritize cost-effective emissions reductions and require consideration of project readiness, program diversity, and past delivery track record, as well as uh, demonstrated community support, um, benefits to equity priority communities. And since non-public entities can apply for TFCA grants for uh, EV chargers and vehicle projects, the criteria also give priority to those projects that include an investment from that non-public entity that's commensurate with the TFCA funds they're requesting. 
Uh, once the local expenditure criteria are adopted, we will release the TFCA call for projects by March 8th, 2024, um, after this meeting, and, and uh, reviewing and evaluating their project proposals, um, we will present our um, recommendations to the board in June. With that, I can take any questions. Um, I don't see any from my colleagues, so let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who would like to address us on item 10, please come forward. And I don't see anyone, so let's see, we, see if we have um, uh, any remote public comment on item 10. Checking for remote public comment on item 10. And there is no public comment. Public comment on item item 10 is closed. Is there a motion to approve item 10? Moved by Stephanie, seconded by, Dors by Dorsey. Um, and I think we can take that same house same call without objection. The motion passes. And uh, Madam Clerk, please call our next item. Item 11, final approval, adopt five job classifications and revised organization chart. This is an action item. All right, thank you, Madam Clerk. Items 11 through 13 are recommendations from the Personnel Committee. I wanna thank Vice Chair Melgar and Commissioner Ronan for um, Commissioner Ronan for serving on that on that committee. Um, public comment was taken on item 11 at the personnel committee, so we don't need to take public comment again. Um, if there are any comments or questions, I don't see any, um, and we don't need a motion or a second. So, Madam Clerk, please call the roll on item 11. Item 11, Commissioner Chan. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio. Engardio, aye. Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. There are 10 ayes and the item is approved. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call our next item. Next item is item 12, final approval. All right, so um, again, uh, our personnel committee met on February 6th. We recommended a rating of outstanding for our executive director's performance this year um, and adopted the proposed objectives for 2024 that are included in the agenda materials. Um, if there's anyone who'd like to go into closed session to discuss item 12 further, that is an option for us, um, but we do not have to. So unless someone wants to do it, I'm not gonna take us into closed session and I don't see anybody putting their name on the roster. Um, so we'll do this in open, uh, in open session. Any comments or questions? Um, and then although this item was heard in personnel committee, it was pointed out in personnel committee that we um, you know, didn't have, uh, and I don't think we had in the past, the 2024 objectives published prior to that. And I think there was some interest from members in the of the public in being able to weigh in on our 2024 objectives. And so I think we should take public comment on item 12. So if there's anybody in the chamber who'd like to um, address us about item 12, please come forward. And I don't see anybody. So if there's any remote public comment on item 12, 
Checking for remote public comment on item 12. Hi, caller, your two minutes begins now. Um, thank you, Chair Manderman, for uh, bringing this um, issue uh, forward. The issue we have here, uh, as you pointed out, is that the, uh, the performance objectives were not available ahead of the uh, personnel uh, committee. And now we're coming to the board, and this is an item for final, final approval. Um, I think this is unfortunate. Um, I think we can do better in terms of transparency. And, and moving forward, I would definitely um, like to see these performance objectives to be presented to the CAC, you know, at least, um, you know, as an, an item on consent that members of the CAC will be able to review and then make any comments, suggestions, ask questions, et cetera. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right, public comment on item 12 is closed. Madam Clerk, please call the roll on item 12. Okay, on item number 12, Commissioner Chan? Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Engardio, aye. Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar? Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? I'm sorry, Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie, aye. There are 11, um, 10 ayes, excuse me, and the item is approved. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call our next item. Item 13, final approval. Set the annual compensation for the Executive Director for 2024. This is an action item. Right, and again on February 6th, um, our first NEL committee uh, met, and after considering uh, the executive director's performance and other factors, we recommended setting the executive director's compensation to increase by 4% for 2024 to a total of $322,400 effective March 4th, 2024. If there are any comments or questions from commissioners, seeing none, uh, Madam Clerk, please call the roll. For item number 13, Commissioner Chan? Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Engardio, aye. Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar? Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie, I. We have 10 eyes on item 13 and it is approved. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call our next item. Item 14, introduction of new items. This is an information item. Commissioner Chan. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. Just would like to see if we can entertain uh, either the motions or a resolution to endorse um, SB 915 by Cortese to grant the local jurisdictions um, the authority to restrict autonomous vehicle uh, is what I would like to see on our next agenda. Okay. So maybe staff can work with Commissioner Chan on getting a resolution that will be presented on our next agenda. Thank you. Great. Um, we should take public comment on this item. Is anyone who'd like to, no, nobody in the chamber on item 14, 
Um, anybody want to talk to us remotely on item 14? Checking for remote public comment on item 14. There is no public comment. All right, public comment on item 14 is closed. Is there any, oh, sorry, um, Madam Clerk, please call item 15. Item 15, public comment. Um, this is general public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to speak to us under item 15, come on forward. Thank you, Edward Mason. Uh, I'd like to address an update on the corporate commuter bus situation. Since uh, COVID, there's been a lower capacity of the corporate commuter buses that, that I've observed, uh, really leading to what I believe is a net generator of pollution. Uh, because of the low capacity. Now, Apple and Genentech uh, seem to have higher capacity uh, in the uh, bus system. The, um, you have to ask, what impact is this having on the housing element that we are experiencing now? My neighborhood is going to be upzoned, but uh, is that to accommodate Mountain View, uh, Cupertino, and the Silicon Valley uh, that we are having to accept a burden for upzoning our neighborhood. There's, uh, it also represents a safety, uh, a, a uh, culture of convenience. And when Caltrain is operating at one-third capacity, uh, people basically are too lazy to uh, take Caltrain, but rather take a corporate commuter bus. So. I just wanted to provide an update that uh, these buses are really not operating at capacity. And you say, how do I know that? Well, if you stand at 24th and Church, there's a white building across the street. And the reflection off that white building pierces the smoked windows. And you say, how come there's no heads in the headrests on that bus as it goes? And there's one bus from uh, Marina that says Marina Mission East Palo Alto. And that bus comes by at 24th and Church, and it's empty. And I'm wondering, is it gonna be empty going down the peninsula and coming back? I mean, somebody's got some money to burn uh, in the environment Thank also. Thank, Thank you. you. You can be specific like this gentleman. But uh, I'm not, so it's just, <clears throat> this meeting was extremely boring. And we all agree, that's the thing. Boring because it's, it's full of cover-ups and lies. Lying at some point is fucking boring for, every, no, boop, boop, boop. the sky said don't swear. It's really boring, sorry, for everybody, huh? come on. We agree. Okay, look, you agree. Okay, it is impossible to dissociate technology from the degradation that's been happening in San Francisco for the last 30 years. It's not possible. Technology is one of the symptoms. Now, as far as transportation is concerned, I think you should pay attention to what we see today. In 1988, so it's like... A, over 30 years ago, when I came in the six years I lived in the city for the first time I came to the US, I saw one bike. What's going on today here? You cannot but see this overpopulation of bikes, but 
as a symptom. It's funny, but it's a fact. I'm serious. I, I paid attention already at the time. I've always paid attention all my life. That's why I'm here now. This guy said, okay, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> we don't want autonomous vehicles. This is zombie land here. We don't want that. It's too dangerous because it's technology. You see? We don't want it. We don't want, what is it, uh, six years old thing here. That's another symptom. Six years old scooter. Generally with a mask on. It's another symptom. MTA. Remember, you're going to have to pay no matter what. There is no escape. How do you want to pay? Thank you. I suggest you pay with... Thank you. Uh, I think that's it for public comment in the chamber. So let's see if there's anyone who wants to address us remotely on item 15. Checking for general public comments. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Great, thank you. Good morning and thanks for the opportunity to speak. Uh, my name is Mike Swire and I'm a member of the San Mateo County Transportation Authority Citizen Advisory Committee, although I'm speaking on my own behalf. I'm calling to ask the SFCTA board to ensure that its staff does an honest and open review of the pro proposed widening of Highway 280 in the Mission Bay, Potrero, and Dog Pass neighborhoods. As you're aware, there are two options for the project to get an HOV lane, either to widen the highway by adding a lane or by converting an existing lane. Despite the option still being under review at its November 2023 public meeting, SFCTA engineers said the city was leaning towards the widening option given the congestion in the corridor. This preference for widening seems improper given that the project has not been thoroughly vetted through environmental review. In addition, this preference for widening and auto travel seems naive and contrary to the desires and needs of your communities. First, studies in history demonstrate that widening highways does not improve congestion. Instead, it encourages more people to drive and delays quickly return to previous levels, but with more cars on the road. The recent widening of Highway 101 in San Mateo County bears this out. Traffic is again terrible despite the extra lane installed a year ago. Second, widening is horrible from an environmental standpoint. More cars will increase greenhouse gas emissions and air pollution in the neighborhoods adjacent to the highway. Third, more cars arriving at 4th and King will increase the frequency of fatal crashes with those who walk and bike there, the site of a child fatality in the past year. Fourth, encouraging more people to drive to SF will further imperil the ridership and revenue base for Caltrain, which ironically sits immediately adjacent to the 280 off-ramp. How much of the current post-pandemic Caltrain and BART recoveries, the worst in the Bay Area, are due to the recent widening that took place on 101 in San Mateo County? Thank you for shining a light on this process and for your assistance in making decisions with bike climate change, air pollution and traffic violence, and encourage public transit use and Thank financial you, well-being. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. Thank you. Public comment on item 15 is closed. Madam Clerk, can you please call our next item? Item 16, adjournment. You're adjourned. <laughs>